nowadays, I think we definitely do live in somewhat of a somewhat of a 24 hour news cycle type of world. Like, you know, the because back in the day, you'd hear with like sports teams and just like even just regular news that was coming out from maybe companies about bad earnings calls or stuff along those lines. People would I mean, they'd wait until like four thirty, five o'clock to come out with these stories because not that you know you come out with it on a friday afternoon and by the saturday or sunday or monday people haven't thought about it as much and if you were to come out on a monday morning it would be the top news story for all of um for 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 all of the week which i still think that this will this story will be like this has and i'm so basically what i'm going to be talking about on this podcast is going to be the anthony richardson autographs that apparently some of them are not real like if you look at the and if you look at some of the posts that I've seen, some of the Anthony Richardson autographs that have been submitted and not been accepted compared to the ones that have been accepted, it's not like the autograph is just a little like a little different. Like the autograph is so vastly different looking. It's not like Lamelo Ball, you know. And I think that was another controversy where people were saying like Mikel. Uh, Mikel Bridges potentially signed the Mellow Balls cards because their autographs were very similar. The way that they signed the L, the no, maybe it was the M and the B. I think that's people were comparing the M and the B and the Mikel Bridges and the Lamelo Ball cards very similar. This one is not even; it's not similar at all, really. It's really and it's like I said, I, t- I said this on Twitter probably like Friday or Saturday night when I was sort of looking into it a little bit. This has potential to be the one of the bigger news stories, one of the biggest sports card stories of the year. And, like, because Panini, because it, it goes from two sides here. Like, how does something like this happen? You know, how, and it's not even like how does this happen with some random player. It's like the only quarterback that you have on your roster, if you are Panini, that you can get autographs and RPAs in for this year and one of the last years that you have the products he's probably, he's got to be the biggest card. He is the biggest, he's the biggest autograph, I think, that you can pull, rookie autograph at least, rookie autograph, and maybe there are other autographs, but I think he's the biggest rookie autograph you can pull out of any, what's what's going to be any products. And it's like, you know, sure, maybe this is, hopeful, I mean, hopefully this is just going to be confined to Prism, but even if it's just confined to Prism, it's like, again, I talked about Prism being their biggest product. It's like, how do you, how, how do you get the biggest the biggest player in the biggest product and have a screw up like this, like it does. And how does it, how does stuff like this happen with autographs? Like, I understand it's probably some layer of like, I don't know, maybe the Panini rep walked out of the room or like, I don't even, I actually don't know how something like this can happen and how Panini, like, like, I don't know. Like, I guess I'm guessing with Panini, the Q the QA checks are just they're they're non-existent at this point. This is probably the scenario. If I had to guess, it's like you, you know I would imagine if you're getting especially their sticker autographs, they're not even on card autographs. So it's like it's just crazy that they could mess up these sticker autographs because you know I, it's probably just something where it's like you put it in the folder, the folder you take the sticker off, you put it in the card. You're not really checking all of the autographs, but like this makes me wonder, like. Are I don't know, and it's really it's mind boggling. It's it's mind boggling, and it's really confusing how something like this can happen. Where you have these, you have what is should be the biggest, what is the biggest player in football products this year for autographs? Because there's not the other three players that I mentioned signed with Fanatics, the other top QB signed with Fanatics. So you have the biggest player in your biggest product, and. Who and who knows how many other autographs are going to be used throughout other products that have already been packed? That it's like it's not even just going to be confined to Prism because maybe they found it because of Prism, but like what's going to happen with these other cards? Like, like are they going to have to almost do like redemptions? Like, are they if you pull an Anthony Richardson autograph and some other product, like are you going to have to send it back into Panini to get a new card? Like. If all of these autographs, because if all of the autographs are the fake ones, if the ones that have been, you know, PSA has said they, they're not, PSA said they're not doing an investigation, but everything that they said in the tweet would lead you to believe that they're doing some sort of investigation. Um, 
they use terms, I think, in the tweet that would imply that there's an, an investigation going on, even though they're saying they're not doing an investigation. Um, and this is again, I mean, it's the QA within Panini is just like who who cares? We're just putting this out. Like you know, we only have a couple years left. Like you know, we don't the company. You know, and, and maybe even people are looking at it and saying we're just trying to get the last little dying dollars out of this industry that we can before. Our licenses are taken away. Are taken away, I suppose. I mean, that's what the. That's really the only way that I could see something like this happening. Um, you know, I would hope with, you know, uh, cards that are on card. Which, again, I the autograph industry, I, in my opinion, I think is 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 a little bit. Um, I don't know necessarily as much about it. So, like when it comes to like pricing autographs, like I don't know how much an autograph like affects the pricing of a card. Obviously, it increases the price a little bit, but the on card versus the sticker autographs, it's like again, I get that they can't. I I I get that they can't do it, or I get that no, it's not that they can't do it. It's that they don't want to do it i guess like because that's what it, and that's what it comes down to here it's not that they it's not that they wouldn't be able to send someone or two people with all of the cards and have them just sign the cards like the amount of money that the panini is making you can't be making these mistakes like these mistakes shouldn't be happening if you are a card company in the in the most in the most profitable time period in all of, I would say it's probably the most profitable time period for sports card companies of all time in the past few years. Maybe you could say this year for Panini, not as much. Maybe you could say it's been on a little bit of a decline over the past few years. But the from from 2019 until 2022, 2023, you could say all all sports card companies did was make money. So for an excuse, which I have, Panini obviously isn't going to come out with a statement because they never come out with statements about anything because they just, you know, they, they would rather just let the news cycle play out here and whatever. We'll move on to the next controversy the same way that everyone always does with, with every news story, not even just within sports car, with every news story, you know, you know, 48 hours, 72 hours later, there's a new thing that's coming up. So it's like Panini, they just look at it, they say, eh, whatever, we, you know, this is a mistake we made. We're not going to acknowledge it. We don't have to acknowledge it because that's, we've been on record not acknowledging things so we don't have to if we don't want to and we don't want to so Panini's not going to do a statement I think it's kind of a scumbag move if I'm going to be completely honest and not come out with something like Topps has done an okay job at doing some of these um putting out statements and you know we obviously recently had the SGC statement that was put out about that Le fake LeBron or the the, uh, the altered LeBron that they graded and put out on social media and then it turns out they, the, the patch was on a web patch was on Tiffany cards which is a website where they um, document all of the like altered cards Panini's not going to do that. They're not. They're not going to say anything about it. They're just going to move on along their business. You know, PSA will probably come out with something. Panini, I, I really highly doubt they'll do anything about this. Um, at this point, they're a failing company, and I, you know, I, I think one of the things I saw was where you know people are. I think people are using strawmen and they, as they do on social media, saying like, "Oh, who's defending Panini? Where are all the Panini defenders?" No one's. No one's defended Panini. That's the other thing that I sometimes get confused about. It's like. Nobody has been out here advocating for Panini, really. Like, and it, I'm not trying to bash them so harshly, but I'm just, it, but it just, it's, it's one thing after another with them, and it's like they don't, they haven't come out with any statements, they don't say anything about these controversies, and it's just like, what, like, what else do you, like, how do you? And the worst part is, it's like it's not nothing's ever going to change. Like the, the industry, you know. Luckily, Panini will be not making sports cards, and you would say maybe, well, if. They were if they hadn't lost the licenses, maybe they would be better. But it's like that's not you know that's 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 not how this should work. It we it shouldn't be you know it shouldn't just be that they have our business and we have to like earn them. We have to earn them doing a good job at their business. Like no, it should be the other way around. They should, they and and unfortunately, like I said, all Panini has done over the past few years is make money, and they don't really care about the stuff that they're putting out the products. And it's pretty clear because. All of the controversies with, you know, whether it's, you know, backyard breaks or any any of these any of these things that Panini are coming out with. And then this thing where it's like the one player you had to make sure you get this player correct when you're doing the autographs in the one product that you have to make sure you do it correct. They can't even do that correctly. Like it's like 
it's really it's frustrating because I you know you want the industry to strive and be better, but it's like when the when the top of the comp when the top of the top is like yeah we don't really care. It's like how 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 much longer. How much longer can we just sit here and advocate for sports card stuff when it's like the people at the top aren't even trying to advocate for them? Which, like I said, they're trying to make money. They've already made the money, so they don't care necessarily if the product doesn't come out well. Like, And like I said, unfortunately, I think we've gotten to a point in sports cards where it's going to be very hard. I mean, other than them losing the licenses, which I think is a big deal. But like, if that hadn't happened, I don't know if we would have ever seen any type of change within cards I guess. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I think the the switching of licenses I think will be interesting. I hope that Fanatics really is taking note of a lot of these issues that Panini is having to make sure that they don't run into these same issues. Like if I don't know, whatever, fifteen years down the road, Panini somehow becomes the, some titan and they they swoop in and they buy all the licenses somehow. You know, I don't want tops or fanatics to look at it and say well if we're losing all the licenses like who cares we'll just make these products even though we you know they they lost their top three superstars from a football product there's only we only have one left and but we're not going to put out the correct you know you know we're not going to put out the correct cards we're not going to put out the correct autographs for him like somehow so this story is still developing and from what i've seen it came out on friday um into saturday a little bit and it is still developing in a way that we're – I don't know when we're going to have more answers about what exactly happened. It will probably come from PSA, I would imagine. Um, I don't know. But again, like this is – it's just – what they're doing is fraudulent Like because on the back it says this, this autograph – at least I think it still says this. They may actually – honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they've changed this over the past few years. But it says like something along the lines of like these autographs are guaranteed by Panini. So it's like if, if Panini is going to do that – I mean, I guess maybe that's not – there must be something in there that makes that maybe not legally binding or something like that. Like, I don't really know. But, you know, we're – it's unfortunate, and I'm hoping that um, – I guess maybe I'm hoping that a lot of the Anthony Richardson cards that have this autograph have maybe – maybe they're still on stickers and they're not in packs yet, and they're, maybe they're going to have to do either – card redemptions for some of the other product for some of the other cards with real Anthony Richardson autographs or they're gonna have to like I don't know exactly what they're gonna do here because we've seen in the past where issues have, have, have arisen with you know autographs not being fully authentic you know we had Dak Prescott a couple years ago there was some controversy with Luca's autographs um Dak Prescott's apparently using the autograph pen Luca saying people saying his mom signed it because of the way that she he signed the name his name a little bit differently and then again with the mellow ball so it's like none of these none of these statements have really come out from Panini and I don't expect them to it's just unfortunate that as sports card people we have to sit here and kind of just be like well this it is what it is like if, if you were to try to explain to somebody and be like well why do they why can they just do that it's like well we don't know it just it is what it is we can't we try to say as much as we can but it's like if they're if they are making the money again like they don't really care where you know if the money is clean or not i think that's one way to even look at it like they already made the money on the product selling so that like they may try and fix it they may not i guess we'll see i don't really know it is it is like you probably can hear in my voice it's a little frustrating because it's like you had one job here is to make sure that these the one player really that you had that was a premier rookie you know, yeah, he yeah, he walks out with the correct autographs, and they couldn't even do that. So, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I'm hoping that this story develops more throughout the week, and we get more information. Because as of right now, all we know is that Panini said, or Panini didn't put the right autograph, or didn't they had they received autographs from Anthony Richardson or whoever. They put them on Prism cards, and PSA isn't grading them. That's all the information we have right now. Like I said, hopefully we get more as the week kind of goes on here. So according to Twitter. And then I got well, it was a it was a tweet that I saw that someone posted from Instagram. You know, this is how honestly it's really funny how social media nowadays is like it's it's actually just like reposting content across different platforms. Like, and I mean, I've I've actually experimented with that a little bit to be honest. Like posting just uh just like tweets and stuff on Instagram. I, I don't know. I didn't really love the content. There wasn't really much creation to it. It was more just cross promoting different pieces of content. Which I think honestly, if you're if you are doing content i think it's actually a good way if you are really trying to go full on trying to f do reporting i actually don't think it's a terrible way if you want to create content but that's not the point sorry that's not i got a little derailed there with content creation
and strategy and stuff. But so the one of one Julio Rodriguez uh, 2022 Topps Chrome Superfractor uh, autograph, which is I can't believe that there hasn't there hasn't been a, a different way to because it's just such a mouthful to say all of those car, all of the different little pieces of the card. It's very very interesting. But either way, so that 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 card, that Julio Rodriguez one of one Superfractor 2022 Topps Chrome rookie card uh, Superfractor autograph. It's been pulled. Um, now we're we're saying based on you know uh, so lucky box sports cards on Instagram post. I saw someone posted their post on uh, from Instagram on Twitter. So it says sixteen months after twenty twenty two tops Chrome, which I think because he was a rookie. I think you know actually no maybe he was a maybe he was a series two rookie. I think he was in the regular first tops Chrome. So sixteen months. It it, it gets me thinking about like. We see so many of these cards. We see so many big cards like this get pulled on a daily basis. Like, it's really sort of wild how, like, back in the day, maybe, this card would have been, like, pretty, like, wild news, especially if it had been pulled right away. And I think that's also, we've become almost, uh, we've, be- we've become, not desensitized, I don't think that's the right word, but, like, I think when when a new product gets released... It seems like all of the big cards get pulled because there's so many breakers opening it and there's so many people opening it. And it could also just be that we're in the mindset that like we're seeing these cards and we're seeing the cards being pulled as they're being pulled. That a card that as big as this, I mean, this is, you know, Julio Rodriguez luckily has been, you know, come through for tops a little bit here. Like he's been pretty good and we'll see like going into this upcoming, this, this new year, what he can do in his like, what will this will be his third season um, you know, I think he was in the home run derby last year. He had a really good season, so I'm, I'll be interested to see how he'll do. He was like the, um, of that 2022 season, he was like the marketing person that Tops used. And then I think the next year, I'm pretty sure. So last year was Corbin Carroll, uh, was like the main guy that people use. I don't know if they've announced really who's going to be, I think they're, I, I would have to imagine they're probably waiting to see what the spring training rosters are, which, because it is that time of the year, usually I'm pretty keen on checking out the, like, MLB Top 100, but this year, I don't know, I'm not sure what it is. For the, for some reason, I haven't been as focused on, like, um, the actual prospects that are the, the number one prospects and Top 100 prospects. Like, I haven't really followed them as much. And, I mean, it honestly could just be the fact that They've been changing so much because, like, for example, like, Wander Franco was the number one prospect for, like, two years before he got called up. So it was very easy to kind of follow that and know that, oh, well, he's already, he's the number one prospect. Doesn't really, I don't really need to, like, look into this anymore. I don't need to check it every week. Where nowadays, you know, maybe there is more of a check that I need to do. Or at least, you know, they because they do do, they do the graduation from... Uh, the list when you play a certain amount of games, I think it's like 30 or it's between 30 and 50 games. I forget off the top of my head how many games that actually it is, but what uh, they do like uh, graduation from that list. Um, and but but they do, I think, I think at the beginning of spring training and then in May, I'm pretty sure they do um, updated like here is the top 100 rankings uh, for for the MLB. But so this card, like I said, that in the post, they said 16 months after. 2022 Topps Chrome was released. This card gets pulled, and it's good to see that it got pulled. I mean, you know, it it does. You know, we've seen over the past few years just more and more cards uh, be pulled in products, and like it almost not like it almost doesn't make the posts as important in a way. Like, I still think if you were to look at like. Um, any like at the top NBA prospects, like whenever the <coughs> whenever the Wembenyana one of one black prism gets pulled, that's gonna be a pretty crazy one. Which, granted, you know, it may or may not. Like this one took sixteen months. Like for example, like the you know there are cards like the you know the cards that don't surface on social media either. Like that's kind of the crazy thing. Like I know uh, Fanatics was doing like the ten. I think it was like this was a thing that they announced like a couple probably like a month or two ago, like maybe it was the beginning of the year. I forget exactly when I talked about it, but it was like, 
there are certain cards within products that they are trying to get pulled out of the product and see if they are there still. I mean, which I guess it's probably in a way it's trying to get old inventory, which granted, you know, it's like 20, it's like 2009 top Chrome basketball, or it's like, like, I know they did the Mbappe 2018 prism. It's like, cards that products that people probably don't have much inventory of so i would be interested to know like why they would do that which that has nothing to do with this but i'm just saying like this card comes out 16 months later if this card hypothetically was on that list like that would be very interesting but it's like you look at 2000 2009 steph curry it's like that card is has that has to have been pulled like by now, you know, to 2009, so 22. I'm I'm not going to try and do the math, but you know, it's it's less than 20, but it's more than 10. Let's just put it that way. I know that for sure. Uh how many years that product? No, actually it's probably about 15ish. It's probably like right in the middle. Uh to yeah, actually it would be yeah, 15, 15. So 15 years after that 2009 Curry product comes out, we still haven't seen the one of one Super Factor Curry. Now, could it have could it have been pulled by somebody who in 2009 2010 2011 and they didn't have social media or they didn't know about this car they didn't know what it was and it's just sitting in someone's like desk drawer yeah probably i think that's the one of like i said the cool things that's happened really with a re it's a revolutionary it's revolutionary within sports cards just from the fact that like we are able to see that these cards do exist now which i don't i don't think that the cards don't exist i just think it's cool that now we get to see them actually like we get to see what these cards actually look like we get to see you know i mean hopefully i don't i haven't heard of any of these the the 10 cards been pulled yet and now it's only been a month but again it would have to be some sort of campaign that i think fanatics would try to do with that to um get people to open that product because i'm sure it's probably first of all expensive boxes of that have got to be pretty expensive and second of all like to do a break, it's like how many people really would be interested in those types of breaks. I'm not really 100% sure. Um, but so the one of one Julio Rodriguez, now it's been pulled after 16 months. So it's like, I wonder how many of these cards, and this is sort of my last point of the podcast, is like how many of these types of cards, like the Corbin Carroll, like how many of these types of cards are just sitting in warehouses somewhere in boxes and like they'll never be found? Like, or you know, somebody, I don't know, I mean, not to be morbid, but it's like someone bought a bunch of cards, and then for whatever reason, they never end up opening the cards, like, either they give them to, like, a relative or something, and then the relative just, like, was like, whatever, I'll just toss them in the trash, it's like, there are, I feel like there are, <coughs> have got to be a lot of cards that are just gone, <laughs> like, which is very, you know, a very interesting way of thinking about it, and but honestly unfortunately also a way that's like we'll never really know you'll never know what cards potentially are still in some boxes like that could be open we'll never really we'll never really know but you know like i said luckily social media they do inform us when big like when big cards like this julio rodriguez have been pulled the one of one I believe it's the Nebula one of one. Uh, Victor Wimbanyana has been pulled. It's also been listed on eBay. Uh, another pretty, I mean, another big card this year. No, no, not not Nebula. Um, the Shimmer, the Black Shimmer one of one. Excuse me, not the Nebula. That's the, one of the other one of ones. That will, that I will get into in a second. And I've done my fair share of complaining about Prism. Uh, that's. For sure. I mean, if you listen to this podcast over the past few months, I mean, Prism Football came out, Prism Basketball came out, and I've been complaining about it pretty much the whole way. And I, I again, I, I don't love doing as much complaining, maybe as I do sometimes, but it is because I, I like cards and I want cards to be as cool and as fun as possible. And I feel like some of the things that happen within sports cards are just not they're just not cool or fun. I guess that's maybe, I guess, I don't know, that's one way to put it. So, the the one of one. So, there's two things about this card, which I forget if, I don't think I talked about this on the podcast. It was actually going to be potentially, I was actually going to do a full story on this, if I'm going to be completely honest, before, over the weekend, the PSA uh, fake Anthony Richardson autograph came out, uh, which, there hasn't really been any updates on that. I mean, I... I'm not sure if we'll get any updates, if I'm going to be completely honest. Like, unless Panini comes out with something, PSA really has no need to come out with a statement other than to say, like, 
you know, maybe we're not going to grade this type of autograph. I, I don't know how you I, – I, I guess, I, you know, I don't know how you get that info out to customers to not send them in. I mean, maybe they send them in, then you just have to send it back. I don't know exactly what you have to do there. But this was probably going to be – this was actually I, – I had been thinking about this, and it was – the photo that the, the photos that they're using on these prism cards it's it's insane it is it's driving me insane because on Wembenyana's prism card you can see the floor and the backdrop that they used during the rookie premiere and i'm fine with them using the backdrop but in the past we've seen them Photoshop the background out with the rookie cards, not the regular cards, because obviously the regular non-rookie cards are going to have other photos for, but with the women, Yana, any of the other rookies from this year, they all have this like black background. And this one just seems like the cropping was just not done. Well, like there is a little sliver of the court that they could have just cropped out. If I'm going to be completely honest. So the photo looks, bad for the card like and especially because that's what they did for the, the the prism monopoly card they use a different photo but they use a photo where you can't see any of the court it's like if you're going to use the court like use the court like if you're if you're if you're going to um if you're going to choose this photo for that victor women card just show more of the court show more of his feet like Cutting off his sneakers also doesn't make much sense because that's like a whole other thing within cards and basketball that I think is important. Now, Wembenyana, extremely tall, so it's like if you were to crop it a little bit differently, maybe he doesn't fit on the card, if I'm going to be completely honest, but like you could figure out a way to move him over. Also, if you're Panini, these are your photos. So, like, come up with... Like, this is something that I, and I, I don't, I, I don't know. This is something that I did. And maybe this is a tip for sports card people who are taking pictures of sports cards, um, who have at least a little bit, I, and I don't know if any sports people who take pictures for sports cards are going to be listening to this podcast. But either way, when I worked for, I worked for a sports company. I worked for a company where we did like adult sports in Boston. Um, and I was the photographer. I was the main photographer for the company. So I would go out to all the leagues and get photos of players with their shirts, with their, some of the championship stuff. And in my head, I thought, oh, this is how I, this is, and also this was based on, you know, getting feedback from my managers and stuff was like, these are the types of photos we need. So it's like for this photo, you, for, or no, for this card, if they have the design, now this is maybe the other thing. It's like maybe they didn't have the design beforehand. Maybe they got, maybe they made the design after, after the rookie premiere potentially, or maybe it was finalized after the rookie premiere. So they don't know necessarily what it's going to look like. But it's like if you know that these are the these are the photos and these are the these are the, these are the photos they're going to use for cards, and you know Victor Wembanyama is like eight feet tall, like figure out a stance for him, and, and he's even bending over a little bit. So I think they did a fine job with him trying to you know get into some sort of different motion here. But just choose a different photo. Like come on, like what are we like? Again, it's it's such it's it's not even really nitpicking. It's like the it's so it just feels like it's lazy. It feels like a lazy decision to choose the photo that they did on the card design that they did. Like especially because like I said, it almost feels like maybe they didn't maybe they used the wrong photo, if I'm going to be completely honest, because like for the Victor Wemben for the Wembenyana Prism Monopoly card, um which again, Prism Monopoly. Hopefully, that kind of goes away. Like that seems like that was sort of useless. I mean, I, I get the I get the point of you know, I get the point. It's kind of a cool partnership, but hopefully that's kind of stuff. Like, hopefully that stuff goes away. I mean, you honestly like, I get. And if you've heard me also stuff on this podcast, I've talked about like using branding more often. I think that's important, but using branding for everything. They used it for like the Funko Pops, they used it for uh the the, the user for the, mon the Monopoly thing. They used it for um I think they used it for the, that random uh that random shoe that they came out with Allen Iverson and Reebok. It's like you know, that's not what I was talking about when I was talking about using the branding more often. I'm talking about creating more products that are, you know, actually good products, not prism monopoly like not cards that are coming out of prism monopoly like coming out with a 
Donruss style product for Prism has been this concept that I've always thought of that I thought that there's that, that I wish that they years ago I talked about this on TikTok for you know I thought that that would be a great idea or even maybe on the podcast maybe not on TikTok maybe on like the original you know the Heroes for Sale podcast the original Heroes for Sale podcast I talked about them coming out with some sort of Donruss product um some sort of Donruss product for Prism like a paper Prism product I thought that would be a good way to go to to subsidize um no subsidize the word that i'm looking for to um to keep the print runs of the regular prism the same but still release more of the product but they did the opposite they just released more of the product and more and more and more and more and they didn't do anything really to subsidize it where now the prism has you know almost become a little bit not worthless but it's it's really gotten to a point where it's the prestige and value i think that came with prism a while ago has really gone away pretty significantly if i'm going to be completely honest and again the other thing with this card is well it's listed on ebay which i think is interesting i think it was five hundred thousand dollars best offer i mean i don't think it's going to sell for five hundred thousand like that would be pretty wild if it was going to sell for five hundred thousand um, one of the auction houses would have made a bigger bid to try and get it um because if you listen to you know, if you listen or if you watch that Ken Golden show, you know that the agents that get these cards, like one of the scenes, um, one of the scenes, the the agent that was working there, I forget his name. He's one of the main guys. He he goes to the national every year. He's one of the main guys at Golden. He was talking to the client about you know taking less of a percentage of the commission uh, for something. I forget what he's trying to get. I think he was trying to get like the Jackie Robinson jersey potentially. Uh, I forget exactly what the item was, but taking less of a commission, which if this card really sells for five hundred thousand, I don't know. It, you know, honestly, with eBay listings, it's very hit or miss. With I think if some of them are real or some of them are fake, unfortunately, um, I don't know with Golden or PWCC how many of those. Like I think those are going to be all legit, probably. Like because if they're not, you know, I think that the company has too much on the line. Like eBay doesn't care at all. Like that's another thing. Like I've talked about. Like eBay, they kicked. Um, they kick PWCC off the platform, but they didn't kick Probstein off the platform because they just don't care. Like they, they saw that PWCC was coming out with their own marketplace um, that was going to rival eBay, and it has, I think, rivaled eBay in a way. Uh, and they were just like, "All right, yeah, you're kicked off the platform." Like they, you know, they said it was because they had done some investigation and it was from shill bidding and stuff along those lines. I don't believe that whatsoever. I, I, you know, if they if they really cared about shill bidding and all of this type of stuff, they would have done something about Probstein. They would have done something about a ton of other not big accounts, but they would have done something about chill bidding. It's just, you know, there has to be a simple way to do this. Like you have, it has to be something along the lines of you can't, and I know I'm getting away from prism and I, and I don't know, this podcast doesn't really have a specific topic that I'm going to talk about. It's just basically this, you know, this web card. Um, but so it's on eBay. Uh, again, one of one shimmer, one of one, there's three black one, or there's the nebula one of one, there's the shimmer one of one, and then there's the regular black one of one. It almost feels like it's defeating the purpose of putting multiple one of ones that are the same card within a product. it, It is, again, it's infuriating in a sense that the, they're just using it's just the same card it's the same it's so it it doesn't it's not necessarily lazy i guess but it's just like it's the same card it just is a different variation and they just stamp the one of one on there it defeats the purpose of a one of one if we're going to be using the same picture for the same card i get i i get why they do it i'm not going to sit here and say i don't understand why they put all the one of ones in there but it just is like what are, like come on like we're really like why does it have to be so many one of ones and I, and I don't know i think tops does a fine job at this where they don't you know they have a couple different parallels. They have a couple different versions of a lot of their cards, but I don't think that they do it this way where they have so many different one of ones that again, it, it it's not, doesn't muddy the waters. doesn't make things more, or does it, in my opinion, it might muddy the water and make things more confusing because someone might look at the black shimmer one of one and the regular one of one and say, well, these are the, these look like the same card. So like, why are they different? Like they're, they're both one of ones. They both have the black border. Why are they different cards? Again, I'm all for making sports cards sports cars easier to understand because I think over the past few years, or actually probably through the existence of sports cards, it's been a little bit confusing. But I think over the past few years, more information has come out and it's become a better. There's been better resources for people to learn about cards. But at the same time, 
card companies have done their best to convolute all the work that I think people are doing to make um, to make cards easier to understand. Like I, I, I think card companies have really just looked at it and said, well, you know, we don't care if people understand. Like we know that we care about making money and we care about coming out with products that people are going to buy. So whether it's confusing or not, there's going to be people that buy it, and if we hit a certain number, that's that's all we care about. Um, and that's what I think has happened here with the Prism, all the Prism one of ones. I think that's what happened with Panini. It's happened somewhat with Tops. I, I don't think as as much to an extent, but either way, I, you know, the the one of one for Victor Wembanyama, you know, the Shimmer one of one, not the regular one of one, not the Nebula one of one. Um, that's been listed on eBay, five hundred thousand dollars. I don't know if it sells for that, but we will see over the next few weeks if there are any buyers for this card at that price. The same way that this past season, the, the Tops and Fanatics debuted their uh, the debut patches, <laughs> debuted the debut patches uh, with the MLB players. They announced that with the start of this MLS season, they're also going to do something very similar. Well, the same thing, not something similar. They're doing the same thing. They're putting the MLS uh, debut patches for rookies on um, on their on on their on their jerseys. Uh, I guess there's also been some controversy, which is a little bit interesting. Like the fanatics jerseys are bad or something. Like, I, but the one thing, I, the one thing I am a bit confused about is like I thought the pictures that I'm seeing of the jersey that people are saying are bad. Those are just like the spring training jerseys. Those aren't the real. Jer- those aren't the jerseys that they're going to be wearing during the season. Like it, maybe maybe I miss maybe also. People are comparing the jerseys that people are wearing on the field to the jerseys you can buy at the pro shop. Also, those are different. Like, I, I, I don't know. I'm a bit confused. If I'm going to be completely honest, I'm a bit confused about what people are so angry about with these jerseys. If the regular season starts and the jerseys are like this, like weird, uh, not like uh, not. I don't know. It's, it's, they look like rep, they look like replica replica jerseys, like not the ones that pros would actually wear. Which, like, I, I, I thought that, because they were showing pictures, again, they were showing pictures from spring training, and I'm like, well, yeah, but the spring training jerseys are different than what they wear during the regular season, I thought, at least. Maybe, and I don't know, maybe I'm incorrect here, maybe I'm off base, but I, I, I'm, I'm, again, I'm about to, I'm, I'm just going to sit and wait here and wait for them to actually come out with the real jerseys. Like, it just seems like the, the real jerseys have not come out yet, I think. Like, that's... Right? Or am I wrong? I don't know. Whatever. But either way, so MLS, which I guess I don't know if MLS, because Tops and Fanatics, they do the, they are Nike jerseys, but they're distributed by Fanatics. So I don't know if the MLS jerseys are also distributed by Fanatics. They might be, potentially. I mean, any, you know, any, um, any replica stuff that you're buying is probably from Fanatics. I mean, it is, it's very interesting to see. Well, not to see, but, you know, I, I think at this point we all know that Fanatics has really, they, they've monopolized, in a way, monopolized, I think, the sports market when it comes to, like, jerseys, memorabilia, all that kind of stuff. Similar to, I mean, honestly, similar to what they're kind of doing with cards, if I'm going to be honest, like, getting all of the stuff, making everything go, making making everything go through them. Um, but that's not the point. The, the, you know, the point is here, um, the, you, you're going to have, uh, the MLS players are going to have the debut patch on their jersey. Um, I think that's really great. I think that's... I, I wonder if they had some sort of heads up. And this is where Tops and Fanatics, I think, are in a little bit of a business where there's a little bit of a gray area. Like this... Con- Why? Well, actually, I don't know. I guess the concept didn't come out until after the MLS season last year. So they wouldn't have done it... Maybe not. Okay, so my conspiracy was that... Gonna- Why didn't Fanatics do this with MLS last year when they could have had a messy debut that that would have been pretty cool which i think luis i mean luis suarez is on i don't know if he i don't think he played at all last year so there's potential like he's going to be getting one of these patches which i think will be interesting also one thing that i'm not 100 percent sure of is how tops in the past has um decided who gets rookies for soccer like i guess i haven't really followed mls rookies necessarily like players who i think are younger in the mls i do follow a little bit and actually, to be honest, like, I didn't follow as much last season. The Revolution weren't as good. So, like, the season before the Revolution were really good. Also, you know what? Actually, no. Now I think about it. Also, the games were on Apple TV for the first time last year. So that also could have been a potential lie. I didn't watch many of the games. Because um, they used to just be on, like, the local sports network. Huh. That's interesting. Either way, um, I haven't been following as much who rookies that are making their debuts. And, um... 
like, I guess it's maybe not like, maybe it's not like the MLB or maybe it's not like, well, I guess the MLB would be the example, would be like where there's a minor league team. Cause I don't think that each of these, none of these teams have minor league teams necessarily. Sure. They may play in like the USL, but the USL is not affiliated with the MLS. So they're, they're rookies coming into the MLS, I guess. I don't know. Like I said, soccer is very nuanced and confusing, which sometimes I sometimes I like it because it, it, it there's endless amounts of information you can learn about soccer, and it, it just is almost updating on a daily basis of new things that you can learn. But also sometimes I'm just like, oh my gosh, it kind of gives me a little bit of an ice cream headache, like where I'm just like, oh my God, there's so much information. It's information overload. Eh, you know, it, it is what it is, I suppose. You know, With soccer, there's just so many different aspects. And it's like that, I don't know, if you get into any sport, maybe it's like that. Maybe it's just that I'm into soccer, and that's one of the sports that I follow pretty closely, and um, that's why I think that there's maybe more nuances than there are within the NBA, but maybe there is just as many. I don't really know. Um, But I think what I think is cool is that Fanatics is taking a concept and and using soccer as the next – as their next choice for what sport they're going to do because, you know, I guess maybe – once they get this, will it's actually probably smart because they they debuted the patch on the MLS on the MLB jerseys. Now they're going to do it on MLS, and then I guess they probably will end up doing it on NFL and NBA jerseys as well. Like once once they get those licenses, like I can't imagine why they wouldn't do that. But it is cool that the the second sport that tops chose, which I mean, I guess like I just said, they don't really have any other. I mean, USC, which they recently just got back, which actually I, I forget if I. Now, I actually forget if I made – I think I did make a post about that, or maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't talk about it. But if you didn't hear, um, UFC is going back to – went back to tops, and they're coming out with a product in February. I know you know, I must have talked about it, I think, because I remember saying that. But um, – so I guess tops really there wouldn't – I guess soccer. I mean – oh, actually, shoot. That's why. Wow, I don't know. What am I even saying? Soccer. That's like – I I'm wondering if they would do it in other leagues, like Premier League. Like that would be kind of interesting. I don't think – I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure if they would be allowed to do that with all the different types of restrictions and UEFA and FIFA and all of these different types of things. They probably, you know, they probably wouldn't be able to with that um, that side, like over overseas. I, I'm wondering. No, I guess FIFA. You know, because the country cards are all with Panini still. I don't know. I mean, I think that's actually probably one of the bigger licenses to get. I mean, they also have to get. Or they're um, they're probably going to get WWE back because UFC and WWE are kind of they're under the same company. Yes, they're different. And I have, like I said, a while while back when I first originally covered the story, um, TKO bought one of them. I forget one of them was already under them, and then the other one bought. So, I mean, maybe they go go UFC for those patches, but at this point, we just you know MLS they're going to be doing it this year, which I think that's really I think that's cool, and I'm glad that they're going to be doing it. Um, just because it it, it, it it gets sports cards and soccer into sort of the limelight. Like I'm wondering because we saw tons. I thought I think we saw like a ton of articles about the ML the MLB. Sorry, I keep getting the MLS MLB mixed up here. MLB when they first did it, I feel like there were a lot of articles like on ESPN and stuff along those lines. So I'm wondering if we're gonna get the same um, if we're gonna get the same coverage for MLS. I, I think maybe not. Maybe. Maybe we'll get one ESPN article, but I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see. Um, the the cards, I guess they may come out in top Chrome like they did with um, the way that they did with uh, MLB. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be redemptions. Um, I think potentially. I think that's. I think it's a good idea for them to use these cards, which. I'll be interested, and this will be my sort of last point here, and this is, we've deviated a bunch of different ways, but this is sort of the old, my overall thoughts on soccer, MLS, you know, the patches, the cards. Um, I do wonder if when, if when, if when Fanatics gets basketball and football, if, because RPAs, that's, I mean, that's one of the big things for basketball and football, RPAs are like a big deal. Like, you know, I guess with hockey too, but that's also with upper deck. Um, So, Fanatics and Tops, I think, have an interesting test ahead of them to see what they're going to do, uh, how they're going to come out with a product that's as good as, you know, National Treasures or as good as, like, the cup for hockey. Like, it's going to be tough. And I'll be interested to know what their product ends up being because there's got to be one, right? I would imagine there's probably got to be one for those sports once they get them. Um, But 
I think this is one way where we're seeing sort of almost a card that could be in that product. I think one day probably will be um, the debut patches with the autographs. Um, they did the, like the uh, the different way of distributing them. They put redemptions instead of the full card like you would. Now, I guess obviously if you're putting it in a pack, that's different than when you're putting it in the National Treasures box. So that's maybe that's maybe a little bit of a different conversation. Um, but I guess we'll see down the road what or what product they end up deciding they're going to put these cards in, um, and then if they're going to put redemptions or if because it's the MLS and they don't maybe they don't care as much about it or something along those lines. If they end up putting the full cards in the packs, uh, which is obviously different than what they did with baseball. Back like probably earlier this year, yeah, how do I guess it was earlier this year? Upper Deck announced that they were making a change to their flagship. Con- the configurations of the packs and the boxes, and I—I uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not. I guess I'm not sure why they did this. It doesn't really make much sense to me. In their hobby boxes for Series One and Series Two flagship, they changed it from. You, you, it used to be you get 24 packs with eight cards in each pack, so that comes out to roughly like 192 cards in a box. Now this year, for the first time in like, oh, like is going back to 2020. This they've been using the same configuration for years. When they changed it before, it was 192, and now they changed it to 12 packs and 12 cards in a hobby box, and 12 cards per pack. Which, if you do the math there, that's 144-ish cards. Um, which that's 50 less cards. And, and again, it's it's. I think that because and then so that was sort of the because the checklist has come out um, because Connor Bernard is going to be in there so I mean that's the big that's going to be the big young gun sell in series two he wasn't in series one it was I was looking it up and trying to figure out exactly I guess it's sort of like Bowman um, if I I was looking it up you know because I was confused why Bernard wasn't in series one so I was looking it up and um, it's very similar to. Whether you be, you're in Bowman draft or you're in the next year's Bowman, there's not. I was looking at. I couldn't figure out a rhyme or a reason why they chose which players were going in which set. But but either way, it's um something Upper Deck has done in the past, and so that checklist with Bedard is on series two that comes out in a couple like a week or two. Um, but then I saw another thread, um, about like Tops also doing something similar. Like, going from, like, 36 packs or something to 24. Like, dropping the amount of packs within a hobby box, like, super, pretty significantly. Um, and I don't know. I, the more that I hear about that type of stuff, it's just, like, because that's the stuff that I feel like, um, that's the, that, I think those are the types of cards. Like, the, the hobby boxes, that has to be where most sports card companies make their money right like i guess that that would be kind of an interesting breakdown i don't know if anyone is able to do that like if i think it would be interesting if fanatics would come out with this data obviously they won't but i do wonder if i do wonder if anyone's ever done this type of data where they look at like what's the most profitable way that card companies make money is it the tops now do they make a lot of money from tops now i think that would be an interesting number to find out about um. Yeah, tops now or whichever other. Is it selling hobby boxes to hobby shops, or is it selling you know blasters to retail? I guess is I don't know. There's I think there's a bunch of different categories where they are making money, and I don't know. I think reducing the amount of cards you get in the in the box is just not the move. Like. And, you know, I think the way that Tops has done it, sure, like I talked about it last week, there's like 18 different types of configurations, but I feel like the hobby box, I don't know, maybe, not, and not, I think that would be another interesting piece of data, would be like, what, like the hobby box, is that like the standard within the hobby, you think? Like, uh, do you think there there are different like the different configurations of all the configurations, what configurations are most synonymous with sports cards? It's the hobby box. So the fact that these companies are just so willing to switch around a bunch of things. So they're the, they're making the hobby boxes less like not almost not worth it. And it's like, I don't know. It's just, 
all the moving around of the configurations and less packs. It's like, again, I think, I feel like I've talked about this on the show. It's like, the, I feel like the more, again, the more self-sustaining the hobby can be by, you know, somebody getting a box, opening the box. Sometimes they get their money back. Sometimes they don't. But dropping the amount of packs and dropping the amount of cards, that just reduces the chances that someone's going to be able to pull any type of, like, card that sells for any crazy value on eBay. Like, uh, and and, and th then the problem becomes, well, now I mean, now I don't have, you know, I, and I don't know, maybe it would be, I'll, I'll have, maybe have to ask some people if it was always like this. Like, you would buy a hobby box knowing you could probably make 50% of your money back, like, I don't know, a couple years ago, maybe. That's sort of where my... That was my like level. If I was like, if I was buying a blaster for twenty dollars, if I can make ten dollars back by selling some of the cards, that's fine with me. So with hobby boxes, I did buy one hobby box for series two. Again, I, I pulled a, a the one of one card. I talk, I think I've talked about that on the show before as well. But so the hobby box, I just I just wish that they would they wouldn't mess with what has worked and what has been good for collectors because I, I I you know. For Upper Deck, it's really hard to say that this wasn't up. I mean, unless these decisions are made so far in advance, you know, that's really the only reason I could see Upper Deck going and changing because the Bedard years, I mean, this is like he, you know, he's if you've watched Bedard, I mean, he's generational talent here. So, like, for them to just switch the configuration and give you less cards per box um, in the year where he is the main rookie and he's the card you want to collect, and you're so you're getting less chances to get that card. I don't know if I like that. And I also don't like if they are to put that Connor Bedard card in all of the boxes. I don't want them to do that. I want I don't want anything fishy going on like the way that like the like what that 89 upper deck or, no the, yeah, the upper deck Griffey. Like they just printed a bunch of them and I'm hoping I don't think they would do that again. I oh, know there's no way they could do that again. That would be an interesting movie idea for Adam Sandler if he was listening to this podcast potentially. Um but the hobby box, I feel like, is too synonymous with the hobby right now, and I just don't like that card companies are making changes to it because I don't see prices really changing that much. I mean, I think if you're comparing them from 2020 and 2021, those that was just insane. I don't know if we're ever if we're ever gonna get to that point again. I, I kind of I don't know. It's a weird. I would want it to, and I wouldn't want it to. Um, but if people are going to be buying hobby boxes in my opinion at least for right now i really just hope that we don't see any more changes on these hobby boxes but i don't know what's going to happen but i think I, I really would like to see card companies just stick with the configuration and not make a ton of changes to them if i'm going to be honest